Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the Crease is presented by ADT. Brilliantly safe. In the Crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Hey, welcome all to another edition of In the Crease Podcast with me, Linda Cohn, and of course, Emily Kaplan. Emily, usually we start off a podcast having jokes, sharing laughs, keeping it light, talking about what's going on on the ice, but there is no question. We have to begin with this developing story, which was a horrific week for the Chicago Blackhawks, but even more horrific and more just sad for Kyle Beach. Emily, you've been all over this story from the beginning. You're based in Chicago. Give me a feel, first of all, personally, of what you've been going through the last few hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, this entire week of what's gone on with the Blackhawks organization and the courageous, courageous interview to TSN by Kyle Beach, who once was referred to as John Doe. Yeah, well, for you know, you said I was all over this from the beginning, and I have been following the story, but there is some guilt I have because when this lawsuit came out, I did cover it some, and I did talk to some people from that 2010 team, but there's also just some people I heard from the Blackhawks who were in denial, and you know, I, I felt like almost I didn't do as good of a job of covering it because. I was listening to those people and I, I feel some guilt in that. And I have to give credit to Rick Westhead because he's the one that did that interview with Kyle because he's been Kyle's advocate and looking out for him throughout this entire process. Um, it's been a time of reckoning, honestly. I think there's a lot of people looking inward and asking themselves, how, how did this happen? I still right. think there's a little bit of denial, you know, heard some people in Chicago, like last night, for example, I'm at the United Center and, you know, Patrick Kane is still in COVID protocol and asks, I need to zoom in because I want to talk tonight. And Jonathan Taze finally gets to talk too. And I thought Kane did it well. He, you know, he said he didn't know John Doe was Kyle Beach until that interview came out. Um, but, you know, he knew Kyle. And he says, I want to reach out to him. Taze, a lot of people were left disappointed with the way he handled it because he was the captain at the time. And it felt like when he was speaking, he had more empathy for Stan Bowman, who was ousted as former GM, than a teammate who he had heard rumors about, not all the gory details, but didn't help. Um, and I felt like that was just a little unsavory. But I do think that we're in a reckoning right now where we really have to ask questions about hockey culture. You know, all of this, the crux of it was they wanted to win a Stanley Cup. And so they put a, aside doing the right thing because they were so close to that goal. And now you look at the Stanley Cup and some of these people who are implicated, its name are on it. And you're like, what yeah. are we even doing here? Um, so those are the questions we're going to ask. And, you know, the next layer of this is Joel Quenville. And, you know, the Blackhawks put out their report because the Blackhawks did the investigation and they handled it. Their entire front office is wiped clean of people that were around in 2010. But Joel Quenville is still in the league. Kevin Sheveldayoff is still in the league. And, you know, yep. that short press conference where... Joel Quenville did the morning before he coached. And he said, I like to try to limit distractions type of quote like that seems innocuous in hockey for years. 
now a quote like that makes me feel sick. And I don't yeah. know if you're going to be able to say things like that going forward. Yeah, it's not a distraction. Uh, going back to Jonathan Taves, uh, I'm just so disappointed. Um, it's not like a an off, well, how shall I say this with the captain of the Blackhawks? I've always respected this guy. I always thought, he, you know, people compared him to Mark Messier with his leadership abilities, right, on the ice. And it's the way he said those things about, as you pointed out, expressing the support for the people that caused this anxiety and angst and this story, more support than Kyle Beach. Kudos to Patrick Kane for wanting to speak out and share what he did know. But I think Taves needs to talk further and kind of explain what he said. I, I don't understand it. It was really stunning to me. Wick, Rick West had amazing reporting. It took that, okay, for something to happen. And you should not, I, I really respect you, Emily, for talking from your heart regarding how you felt maybe you should have done more or done more due diligence. I mean, that, that takes a lot to say, but I don't want to even say 11 years ago was a different time, a different world. That's no excuse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kid around with you sometimes about how we talk about our shows that we like to watch. Right. And I've been kidding around with you that for the past like three months, I've been watching from start to finish one of the greatest shows I've ever watched in long dun, order as for you. Right. With Olivia and Elliot and the entire cast throughout the whole whatever I'm up to, I'm up to season BD 18. Wong. Yeah, I'm up to season 18. I've learned so much from a television show about what sexual assault victims like Kyle Beach goes through. And when he spoke to Rick in that TSN interview, I was like, oh, my God, this is exactly the truth. This is exactly what happens where victims are made to believe that they're the problem, that they put themselves in this position. And so I was like shaking my head. And every time I listen to Kyle's words and the tears and the emotion, I I just tear up. And it's just, it's, I'm just glad this is the start of his healing, but I'm sick to my stomach like you are regarding from the top down the league, the Players Association, and of course the Blackhawks for turning a blind eye and looking the other way. Yeah. You know, and like I tweeted something after Kyle spoke where I was like, hockey culture failed him. And I do firmly believe that. I also feel like there's a lot of people in this situation who are absolving blame and blaming the system. And I think all of us just need to look inward and say, what is our own personal responsibilities? Um, you know, when you look at the Blackhawk situation and they had that meeting with their top brain trust, everyone around Chicago, it seems like the consensus from that meeting was John McDonough was the president. He said he was going to handle it. And so we trusted him to handle it. But where were the follow ups? Right. Or yep. where, you know, and, you know, the talk here in Chicago is that one of the reasons why, um, you know, the Blackhawks came forward with this and the reason that McDonough is so implicated is because he's no longer here and he's getting severance from the club and they might try to recoup that. And if that is, you know, if it's all motivated by money, then shame on them, you know, because this really should be about 
let's figure out what the heck happened here, how our processes failed us and how individually we can all be better and collectively be better to never let this happen again. And I do want to give the Blackhawks some credit, though, because there was a lot of people that were saying when this report comes out, it'll probably be redacted or we're not going to get the full summary of what happened. And that was damning and crushing to read. There are so many details in there that were ugly. But I think that is so instructive. You know, look at the Washington football team situation. Yes, in the NFL. I was just thinking of that. Yeah, where they're not going to put all of that out and people are going to hide and no one's going to be held culpable. Like credit to the Blackhawks for the transparency of that report, for doing it the right way. Um, but if we let this story die here and we don't figure out how we can keep progressing forward, history is doomed to repeat itself. And the last point I want to make is we talked about the Stanley Cup, right? The whole point of this was to protect the Stanley Cup. Well, Joel Quenville is the next aspect of this. And firstly, everyone's asking what's going to happen with him in the league. Um, Gary Bettman has certain powers as commissioner. He can suspend him. He can ban him. He can't fire him. Joel Quenville is employed by the Florida Panthers. That's where his contract is. Gary Bettman can work some back channels with the Panthers and say, hey, you guys handle this before it gets to me. And my gut today says that's what's going to happen. That's what happened with Bill Peters in Calgary. I think that's what's going to happen here. But you know, you think about it and you say, well, the Panthers are seven and oh, they're they're looking as good as they ever have since that first year. You One know, of the best stories that, in the NHL right now. Right. Completely. And Joel Quenville is the coach that's going to lead them. And if you use that as an excuse, what have we learned from any of this? Oh, so well said. So well said. And there are more than just Coach Q involved. So I don't want it to be just because Joel Quenville is the big name here. Mm, great it point. should be on every single level, every single level and every person involved. And this Brad Aldrich, who I didn't want to mention his name. What's the situation there, Emily? Where is this guy now? And the sadness is that he was able to go to another organization. It just is, is sickening to me. I mean, he's a registered sex offender in Michigan right now because after he left the Blackhawks with strong recommendations and no, he was given the option to either resign or do an investigation. He resigned and they never brought it to police. He was able to coach again. Um, and that's just really sad. I would say this Aldrich was well ingrained in the hockey community. Um, he's from a hockey family. He knew a lot of hockey people and he sometimes wonder in our sport, it is such an insular sport. I hear people call it all the time, a higher friend sport. And is that the reason that we turn the other way and let this man, you know, live for so long yeah. in our world. And I have, and to, I have to think the answer is yes. Yes, I agree. But it's not just hockey, right? We, mm-hmm. we hear that with all sports. We also hear it with, you know, with the, uh, you know, uh, police unions, right? You know, mm-hmm. protecting our own. Um, these are the kind of things. And, you know, but getting back to the Washington football team, at least Gary Bettman, is getting it all out there. And we credit Chicago now, the Blackhawks organization, good point. But with Goodell, it's him. He's not, he's suffocating that report. He's like, no, we're not making all of this available to the public. So at least Gary Bettman is not using his authority by saying to the Blackhawks, you know what? It's a bad look for the league. We don't want that out there. Correct. So kudos to Gary Bettman at this point as we Mm. speak here, that he's doing the right thing, unlike Roger Goodell of the National Football League. 
regarding the Washington football team. And as I tweeted out, the fact that Kyle Beach, the courage that it took 11 years later to do this interview and put it all out there beginning his healing, he is helping so many sexual assault victims, not only in the hockey community, but everywhere else. He's doing that. And that is amazing. And sadly, there are so many more like Kyle Beach around. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's, I believe this will spark change and this will get this more on the radar so people cannot look away at this. It's just, uh, every time I listen to him, Emily, I just get really sad. I feel for his family, obviously for him, but if I was his mother, I would, it would, I just, I, that's when I tear up. I mean, I'm being serious. I mean, being a, you know, a mother of a son, you know, and a daughter, it's just, it's really, I can't even imagine what that family's going through. And we, we wish Kyle the best in his healing. The note I wanted to end on was this. Matt Nickel is a trainer that works with a lot of guys in the off season. He used to work with Maple Leafs and he had an Instagram post where Kyle Beach was a first round pick for the Blackhawks. He had a promising future. And in this post by Matt Nichols, he has all these headlines. Was Kyle Beach the biggest bust in franchise history? Former Blackhawks first rounder Kyle Beach proof that draft guarantees nothing. Epic first round bust Kyle Beach. And it's just a reminder for all of us that you don't know what people are going through. And as we talk about mental health and mental health awareness, it, it's not just the big things and it is the big things. It's the little ways that we talk about people. And I wonder, as Kyle Beach was dealing with this so internally, living with this secret because nobody was taking him seriously and he saw that the powers that be were turning him the other way and he's hearing all these people talk about him in this way. How did that compound his issues and how did that affect him mentally as well? And so, you know, I began by talking about everyone taking personal responsibility. We can all think in our daily lives of how we can apply that as well. All right. Well, there's no easy way to transition. And all of this has been really heavy for anyone who has been following the story, reading the story. And we have a lighthearted interview. Um, AJ Galante the 17-year-old who once owned the Danbury Trashers, which is now the subject of a Netflix documentary, joined me and Linda. We talked to him a few weeks ago. We've been sitting on this interview, but it was just so fun. And yeah, you know what? Let's just listen to AJ because I think this is just a nice tone to hit on right now. Oh my God. Are you, This is weird. I've watched you my whole life. How you doing? I call that... <laughs> I said, I rewatched the documentary last night. AJ said, I watch SportsCenter every night. I'm like, I bet he's a Linda fan. Yeah, oh, well. That's, that's very strange. Oh, man, this has made my day. How you oh, guys doing? Gosh. We're doing great. How are you? Good. You too, Emily. Don't worry. I'm happy to see you. No, come on. <laughs> Linda's the GOAT. We, we all love Linda. We worship Linda. Thank you. Thank you, guys. But uh, no, I just, you know. Anyway, I'm so, we're so glad to have you on. Um, we, we're, we're, all, we're all fans. We love the doc. My biggest question after I watch that doc is like, when are you getting back to hockey? Because hockey needs you. If I got a quarter for every time someone asked me, is the team coming back or this or that? You know, I don't know. You know, it's 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 really weird how life works, because, um, you know, when we lost the team in 2006, you know, um, you know, for from, you know, a lot of reasons, obviously. But uh it's not like it was the sports fault, but I couldn't watch hockey. You know, mm. it was like going through a horrible breakup. It was like, uh, you know, I couldn't watch hockey. I was so depressed. I, I it just, it was a, it was a very painful time. And um, when, when the guys from Netflix, you know, contacted me 
end of 2018 about, you know, doing this, I don't know, something happened. It's like when you see a lighter kind of flicker, I, I, I like, I was like, ah, let me, let me, let me, I'm a devil's fan. So I'm like, let me, let me put on the devils. Right. So, you know, and I'm looking for like Scott Stevens to be out there. I mean, I grew up watching in the nineties and stuff. So it's like, I'm trying to like see who's who and what's what. And, uh, I've slowly, I, I don't know. Listen, I never would have thought a year ago I'd be doing podcasts. You know what I mean? So who knows where, where life takes you sometimes, but, um, there's definitely there's definitely some feelings there so so who knows i mean my life is so random uh, in a year from now who knows what's going to be going i don't know yeah aj first of all um i know danbury quite well uh i raised my kids right 20 minutes away in southbury because of course oh wow so, yeah. yeah so i i know all about it i was a goalie i actually played in that danbury ice arena um, oh, some wow. pickup leagues uh, for a while, <laughs> so I couldn't do it anymore. AJ, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, for people who don't know, I really want to. I want to go back in time there because we all. I think people should know their story. Emily just detailed it. Uh, you were 17 years old uh, when your dad came to you over the dinner table or having sharing a meal and just saying, "It wasn't even like, do you want to do this?" It was like. Hey, AJ, uh, you're doing this. Tell us about it. My dad has a funny way of telling you something, but wrapping it as a question, right? So it's, it's a, I've told this story so many times and I wish I'll never lie. So I, it's always the same story, right? So I wish it was like a cooler story, but we're literally <laughs> just having dinner. It was the four of us, me, my father, my mother, my sister. And he just nonchalantly just like, you know, my dad's a very serious person, but he likes to joke around, too. And I don't know if he was playing with me. I thought it was maybe he was just busting me a little. And he was just like, yeah, I'm going to start a team. Uh, you're going to run it. You know, I know you're going to college, but blah, blah, blah. You're going to run it. And I was just like, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to laugh. I didn't want to, you know. So I'm like, yeah, sure, Dad, that, that that's great. I'll do it. That was the 25 second contract negotiation, right? That was like 20. <laughs> That was like our that. And then the funniest thing is that's where it ended. Like we didn't talk about it again. We just kept eating. And uh, a week later, you know, like the doc says, I'm in school. And um, that's what's so funny is like <laughs> my dad didn't warn me like, hey, listen, in the paper, you know, you know, I'm giving me a heads up. And, and you know, just like the doc kind of showed, I mean, um, teachers are coming up to me, congratulating <laughs> me. And I'm like, like what is going on? And then um, I go, I go to the library, and you know they got the newspapers on those sticks. Yeah, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I see my picture with my dad, and I'm like, I freaked out. And uh, the funniest thing that they don't say in the doc is when I go home that night. It was like we were playing a game of chicken. He came home, I didn't say anything about it. He didn't say anything about it. We we just we just ate dinner and it was like it was like the elephant in the room that no one wanted to bring up it was we're just such weirdos sometimes and we no one said a word and i went to bed that night and i was i was scared i was like this is insane like i'm trying to graduate high school you know you, you i'm i'm i just had gotten accepted to manhattanville college so i'm i'm going to be going to college I, i'm dealing with some major knee problems i had two more surgeries coming up um 
you know, you have a social life, you got the prom and I'm just like, I'm going to back out of this. And, and I didn't sleep all night. And, and I, I came to the conclusion that, Hey, listen, you know, even though I thought it was under a pretense of a joke, I gave him my word. I do it. So here we are, but we never spoke about that dinner conversation again. It was kind of like the next morning we got up and we just, <laughs> we started working. It was the weirdest, weirdest thing in the world, but that's, that's literally how it went down. AJ, I feel like at the heyday of the Danbury Trashers, you get Mike Rupp, who had just won a Stanley Cup with the New Jersey Devils. You have a bunch of guys, you're paying them under the table. Um, and that obviously upsets the league. When I went over to Russia, I went there right before the pandemic. I went to the KHL. All I want to know is, okay, you guys have a yeah. low salary cap. What are the things you're doing? What are the players asking for to make sure that you get the top talent? So like, take us through that. What were the players asking for? What were you giving them? What was that like? Well, whether you believe me or not, here's how here's how the here's how the roles went. I I looked at my like I was the starting pitcher. Okay, my job was essentially identify talent, um, maybe start to engage in the conversation and uh, sell it to my father and say, hey, listen, this is a guy, you know, beep, bop, bop. This is who we want. And he was Mariano Rivera. He was the closer. (laughs) However, he did it. I honestly don't know. Um, But listen, uh, I don't know. Maybe he had a little bit of dyslexia. Maybe he didn't know what the cap was. Maybe he thought it was opposite. I don't know. But he closed it however he closed it. And uh, I just uh, I I just uh, I just identified the talent. And um, however he got it done is uh, I'm, I'm glad he did. However, do you know anything about how the conversation went with Mike Rupp? Like, how did you get him to play for your team? So Mike Rupp is the funniest. It's so again, you talk about just weirdness in life. I mean, I'm I'm at game seven at the Stanley Cup in uh Devils in Anaheim, you know, in 2003. I'm there and I'm I'm literally watching him in front of me score, you know, the clinching goal to win. Fast forward like a little old, like a year and a half later, and it's like we have this team, which back then we didn't know we were gonna have. And I'll be honest with you. It wasn't my idea initially. His name just seemed to come across as like a potential, um, you know, NHL player that that needed work, obviously, or wanted to at least stay active. And I said immediately, oh, dad, that's the guy from, you know, the devil's game. You know, we have to get him. And uh, I remember my dad initially spoke with him or his agent or something like that. But long story short, the best part of this story, and I was just talking to Mike Rupp about this the other day, and we were laughing about it. So typically when we flew guys in, we'd fly them into Westchester Airport because, you know, close to Danbury. And uh, my school, the college was like five minutes from there. So when Mike Rupp was coming into, he was going to fly in on a Friday and he wanted to meet, you know, me and my dad and want to watch a game before he decided. So, I, you know, we typically had someone who would, you know, pick guys up. I said, Dad, I want I want to go to get Mike Rupp. I, I'll, I'll pick him up. I'll pick him up from class. So I got out of class early. I went to Westchester Airport. And, you know, I'm dressed like a regular person. And, you know, I guess he was assuming he was going to get a limo with, you know, they hold your name up on the card or whatever. So he comes out and I see him. And I go, hey, Mike Rupp, you know, I wave. And he probably just assumed I was a fan that recognized him. So he kind of like, hey, hey. And he just kept walking. (laughs) And I was just like, I was just like, no, hey, Mike, I'm it's AJ. I'm your ride. And he's looking at me. And I'm looking at him and I'm smiling. And, uh, you know, obviously you saw my impeccable fashion sense back then, too. So he's just looking at me 
And I'm just, and he's so confused. And, and you could tell it, it was like, I feel like part of him thought he was, he thought he was getting pranked or something, but he gets in the car and he's just, he's looking at, he's looking around. He, he's like so confused. And I'm talking to him and, and uh, he's like, so you're AJ. I said, yeah, I'm AJ. And he's just like, he's so confused. And uh, was he rethinking his decision right then and there, AJ? He had to. He had to. Have. I, I don't even think I, I I asked him the other day. I'm like, did you like you remember the story when I picked you up? He goes, oh, I, of course I do. He goes, I thought my agent was pranking me like this was a joke. And uh, we get to the arena. And, and then I think, you know, he sees like the sigh of relief. That's is actually a team. And, uh, you know. You got to remember back then we didn't have social media. You couldn't DM people to confirm things like right. you, you kind of just go on people's words. So he, uh, you know, he met with my dad and, and, you know, he watched the game that night and we came up with an agreement and, uh, you know, that, that was that. That's your own little miracle story. That is for sure to get a guy like that to play with all due respect, of course, to the Danbury Trashers. But you know what, AJ, when you look, you know, for the young people, younger than you, younger than Emily, that are listening to this interview right now. And I think it's important. Go on YouTube. See some of these great videos. Now, uh, everything I hear, because, again, we had no iPhones. We had no camera phones. Right. So all this great video. I mean, now here's two questions to this. Usually I only stick to one at one time, but this is good. Uh, Who shot all that video? And then two, did you guys actually ever play hockey and put the puck in the net? Because the best of the trashers, all I see is, you know, wrestling on ice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to answer the first question. So I actually, I love video camera. Like I like video. So growing up, I was always that annoying six-year-old at a party that'll come up to you right to your face with the camera. So I had a camcorder and like midway through the first year, I said, you know what? Let me bring a camcorder to the game and I'll get some footage. Little did I know how important it would become, you know, for this documentary even. And uh, so I would just take random footage. You know, if I knew we, we were facing some rivals where there, there might be some physical stuff, I would always have it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the footage, it's grainy. It's, it's like uh, old school. Right. So it's like, um, I think that just adds to the lure of the whole story because it's not an HD. It's like, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, I walk around town now and, and so many people that have been around, it's like a badge of honor that they were actually at the games yeah. and, uh, because this is like, I can't believe it, but it's like an international story now. And there's only really a handful of people that experienced it live. So it's like they're walking around with like this badge of honor around here. It's hilarious. But um, no, you know, the dirty secret was we were a good team. And, um, you know, if you look at our record, I think we set a, um, a record for an expansion team with our record. I forget what we were, but um, we had a good team. And, 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 you know, I tried to explain this to someone the other day. Yes, we did market ourselves differently. We definitely um, went over the top with the type of physical players we wanted. But if you're not winning games, that's going to get old really quick. So we knew we had to balance it. And um, honestly, we we had a good we had a good team. And um, the one critic and I we really didn't care what people said back then. But the one criticism that used to get under my skin at the time was. I don't know who it was, but someone someone would say, oh, the skilled players must be embarrassed to play in Danbury. It couldn't be the opposite. It couldn't be more the opposite because these guys love playing on this team because 
opposing players wouldn't even so much poke check them, right? Because they knew they'd have to answer to like, we had a depth chart of toughness that was insane. So these guys had wide open ice. If you look at their stats, I mean, they used to have career years in Danbury because they had a lot of open ice. Guys weren't looking to be physical with them. And uh, they, they had it made over here. So that's the one criticism that used to bother me because um, the quote unquote skilled players used to love it because they knew they, they could just skate freely. They didn't have to worry about getting elbowed or hooked or anything. Love that. All right, AJ, last one for me. Look at today's NHL. I know how closely you follow, but if you looked at the league today, give me two or three players that you think need to be Danbury Trashers. Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson. <laughs> and again, you got to understand, I'm just getting back into it. So I don't know everyone yet. I'm trying to get the back fact that you know those guys, though, show that they should be Danbury Trashers. Uh, the, the, the kid, the kid from Boston, everyone hates Marchand. the little rat. Marshan. Yeah. Not a kid anymore. Yeah. He's a good player too. He can score a lot of points. Exactly. But you know, that trasher energy, just when you're on the ice, people know like you make it, even if you just body someone, you know, just put a, there's certain guys that have that energy, that kid from Calgary to Chuck. What yes. Is his name? Friend of the program. You might remember his dad, Keith. Yes. Keith to Chuck. Yeah. So, um, brother Brady, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, guys like that, you know, the game's different obviously, but even guys today, you know, the game is so fast now. I mean, I watched like last year and I was, I couldn't keep up. They're so fast now, but, um, you know, there are guys out there that, you know, that I call it that trasher energy. They, 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 they make, they make themselves known, you know, and, and the guys that you might hate, but if they were on your team, you'd absolutely love them. Uh, Sean Avery. I mean, I was talking to Sean Avery, uh, a week ago, we almost got Sean Avery in the lockout in 04. Really? And, Got to hear about that. He's one of my favorites of being a Rangers fan. You know? so, so, so when so when NHL you know went full lockout mode and the season was officially canceled, there was another team in our league in Detroit, Motor City, and um, you know at the time you know they had Chris Chelios play a few games for them, and so Sean Avery was with the Kings at the time, and he ended up I don't know how on that team. He was the only, other than Mike Rupp, he was the only NHL guy, like, really trying. Like, he was like, and I was just like, Dad, we have to, I don't know how, we have to get this guy. <laughs> this guy, you know, he he's he's put on this earth to be a trasher, right? And um, we tried to trade for him at the trade deadline. And it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work. And I was talking to Sean last week, and I said, do you remember that? And he goes, absolutely. And I said, you know, it's probably better you never made your way here because it, you, we probably all would have got arrested if you ended up in Danbury because he was uh, he he is the definition of a of a, of a trasher, uh, just a guy you just want to jump over the glass to strangle. But if he's on your team, that's the type of guy you want. I grew up a Rangers fan, so I love him. I understand why every single other person hates him. Right. Yeah. But it was great that he was on the Rangers. Uh, uh, sorry, you being a Devils fan, AJ, uh, you can understand that with all they remember him and Brodeur. Yes, that was the classic. I loved it so much. I got to tell you, that was the one time, you know, loyalty is a big thing in my life. That was the one time I questioned my loyalty. Yeah. When Sean Avery did that, you know, Marty Brodeur. First of all, everyone wants to talk about the wrestlers at my birthday party. But yes. Marty Brodeur came to my birthday the next year. <laughs> Wow. So Marty, Marty Brodeur, I have a loyalty to for that. Plus, I'm a devil diehard at the time. And when Sean Avery was doing that, I couldn't help but laugh. It, it was just funny to yes. me. I couldn't. 
I, I just couldn't help it. And I was, I felt bad because I was in a room full of devil fans and they're looking at me like they're so upset with me that I thought it was funny. I'm like, guys, I can't help it. That's something we would have done. I wish, I wish one of our guys thought of that before he did. You know what I it's mean? It's a great and, point. That's uh, a great point. You know, it's just one of those things where I just couldn't help but, but, but like it. It's just, it was so funny to me. Thanks so much, AJ. We really appreciate it. And I do think there's a next chapter or two. But in the meantime, you're giving back to kids who need your guidance and support and mentoring. And uh, yeah, if one of those kids that play street hockey in the back of your gym turn out to yeah. be, you know, like, hey, let's you get some know. skates and let's do this. You never know. That's yeah. Yeah. Love the it. Ice, the ice arena is literally two minutes from my gym. I pass it every day. So it's it's the whole thing is very strange, but we'll see what happens. Thanks, AJ. Thanks, AJ. Thank you, guys. Man, our thanks to AJ. It was so fun. And Linda, I want Christina, our producer, to compile at the end of the year. All of the people who walk it. When his face, when he was like, Linda's here? Linda Cohn? I get to talk to Linda? So between that, Sue Bird, I'm telling you, there's a couple more, some players in the league who all grew up watching you on SportsCenter. That's such a blast. And he's just, what a fun guy. What a fun story. Um, I want him back in hockey. And I honestly want to bring him back on this segment, uh, on this podcast to do a segment where he talks about what goons he sees in the league, what trends he sees in the league, because I love his perspective. Yeah, sweet of you to share that as well, Emily. And also, uh, he's a big Devils fan. So hopefully for him, the Devils get their act together when I'm in between the benches, by the way, on ESPN Plus, Tuesday, November 2nd, when the Devils come to is the Ducks. Is that Tuesday? Yes, it is. The Devils come to How Anaheim. How get to November already? Linda? I don't know, because we're so busy. We are oh, so yeah. busy in October, and that's good. We're hockey busy. So that's where I'll be. So maybe the Devils will get back to their being getting their act together and put some wins on the board. Uh, in the meantime... I will be hosting in the crease, but then I have a uh, well-deserved, if I do say, weekend off. What do you get? Yeah, you do. Um, eventually, I will have a weekend off, but, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, actually don't have, <laughs> I actually don't have any games scheduled um, until after Thanksgiving time. between the bench. Yeah, so I'm going to use the next three weeks to sink into some stories nice. and, and try to do, you know, a little bit more storytelling or deeper dives but you can catch me on The Point the next few weeks. That's Great. our studio show, Thursdays, ESPN2. Um, and you know what? You can just listen to me on this podcast because it's what I look forward to most every week. Oh, that's so super. That's awesome. Yeah, so The Point for Emily and this amazing podcast called In the Crease and the amazing greatest hockey highlight show on ESPN Plus, In the Crease, nightly, daily, whenever you want to see it. I'll be hosting that uh, like I seem to always do. Okay, before we let you go, we want you all to go please check out Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Marcus Spears, he's Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins, Perk, with new episodes every Tuesday morning. Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives career journey with can't-miss conversations and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.